The special edition of the In the Money Players podcast is brought to you by our friends at Del Mar. Mandatory payout in the pick six this Saturday. What does that mean? Well, unless somebody hits it between now and then, which they're not expected to, we're going to be looking at 500, 600,000 in added money, maybe even a little bit more than that. What does that mean for the pool? I don't think it's crazy to say we're going to have 5 million in this pick six pool on Saturday. We shall see. These aren't guarantees. This is me, just one guy speculating. But what I can tell you for certain is we also have the LRF Cares Contest. Great opportunity. Not a huge amount of money to play in this thing. It's a $600 live bankroll event, and it supports a great cause, thoroughbred aftercare, with uh, much of the gambling dollar um, going in that direction of the the VIG in the contest, I should say. That's really what's going to be supporting the horses. So you're supporting a great cause. Tickets to the BCBC. I say tickets, seats to the BCBC, to the NHC to the Pacific Classic Contest, and cash as well. And to get some ideas on which horses you should play in this Pick 6, in this LRF Cares Contest, you can just keep on listening. If you want to sign up for the LRF Cares Contest, go to inthemoneypodcast.com slash LRF. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the In The Money Players podcast brought to you by our friends at Del Mar in advance of this uh, big pick six we've got cooking uh, tomorrow, which is uh, Saturday, August 6th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Cornetel. Gosh, do I wish I was in Del Mar right now. I, I feel like I say this every year when you get a little bit of a bad weather uh, scrape up here, whatever you want to call it, but... By my count, there's been two nice days in Saratoga so far, and the 16 that have run or whatever it's been. I was working both of them. So I've basically had zero nice days at Saratoga. And every time I go to weather.com or wherever you want to get your uh, meteorological report, and it's, uh, it's 72 and sunny every day in Del Mar, and I question my life's choices. I say this is a special show in part because it's a bit of a reunion show, a Del Mar press box reunion show. Yeah, I've stuck my head in there from time to time over the years. But the two gentlemen who are going to be on here have spent loads of time. We'll start with a man whose work you read on the DMTC.com website daily, one of the real go-tos when it comes to all things Southern California racing. He's also a critical part of my particular origin story in this sport. I'm speaking, of course, about Frank Scatoni. Frank, how are things? Things are great, Pete. Thanks for having me on. It's always nice to talk Del Mar with you even during Saratoga, especially during Saratoga, I should say. And, you know, the, the meet runs an extra week this year. So after Labor Day, if you have nothing going on, come on out. I got loads going on, but I still think I'm going to come on out because I miss it so much. Our other guest is a man who has deep ties to the larger world of In The Money Media. Gave uh, our own Spencer Lugenbuehl, if I'm remembering this right, his first sort of uh, gig and got him going before he became a part of our team. He's also done a lot of work with our partners over at uh, Twinspires.com, including doing the expert picks from out there in uh, in sunny Southern California. He's been on these airwaves, I know, with, with Nick Tamaro before. I'm not sure if I've ever had the pleasure. That's an error we're correcting right now. He is Scott Shapiro. What's going on, buddy? What's up, Pete? What's up, Frank? Uh, miss, I kind of, you. what you said made a lot of sense to me. I miss Del Mar just about every day in the summer, and it's that weather 
that's as frustrating as anything, you know, here in Kentucky, not necessarily 75 and sunny at any point in July or August. In fact, more like 90 and gloomy, but, uh, yeah, good to be back chatting uh, Del Mar with both of you guys and uh, plenty of great memories with you, Frank, in that press box uh, over several years, uh, last uh, decade, I guess it was. Yeah, I feel like we could do a whole show on the characters in the Del Mar press box. Just before we came on the air, a few of them came up, including the chatty Canadians and white James Harden. Curious to know, Scott, which, which of these figures uh, do you miss the most? Uh, well, white James Harden would not be missed most in any list of list of one wouldn't even qualify for that so I guess I'll have to say the Canadians because they probably frustrated me more than Frank this group of guys that were awful chatty weren't working all that much you know while we were trying to get work done and uh, it was a little bit frustrating but uh, quite a group that was up there and it was uh, like I said some great memories and when I think about the press box back in the day, Frank, it's impossible to not think about our great friend and mentor, William Murray, and all the hours we spent up there with him. But another man who I always think of when I think of that press box, another one who's left us, unfortunately, um, I'm spacing on his last name. I think we just called him Larry the Legend, who was a, a reporter for a local paper. Always good to chat with about the baseball and, and, and the racing. Uh, who, who am I thinking Larry of? Larry Weinbaum. Yeah. Yes. And he was he was such a character, a total racetrack guy, uh, been around the game for a very, very long time, always had a really strong opinion. And, you know, he'd call you an idiot and that your opinion was wrong before the race. And then after the race, he'd still call you an idiot, even though your horse won. So he was just <laughs> one of those cantankerous guys. But he was a good guy. He was a really good guy. He loved baseball. He loved racing. Uh, he was just a character. You know, he just had a, a very strong personality. And I do miss Larry. Larry was great. You could always count on walking in and him having one baseball game on. He was a huge Braves fan, uh, sitting there watching the baseball, handicapping the races, and just having a great day at the track. While we talk Delmar press box, we should talk about Dan Smith. How great was that, getting him to getting to see him um honored at the at the turf riders dinner at the, at the breeders cup has he been around at all this meet yeah that that was an awesome experience and then uh they actually christened the press box the dan smith press box so that is the official name of the press box there was a little ceremony last year uh there's a nice big plaque up on the wall for him dan has been around uh seen him a couple of times he did a you know, on Sundays, I host the Sunday Handicapping Seminar that uh, Scott Shapiro used to host also when he was out here. Uh, Dan Smith was doing it on Saturdays, uh, so he's still he's still active. He's still around. And uh, talk about a guy who has seen so much in the sport. I mean, you could sit down and talk to Dan about anything and the memories that he's had and the horses that he's seen uh, and the stories will just blow your mind. Love Dan. Uh, he was always so gracious and generous to us. And uh, I'll tell him you said hi, Pete, when I see him next time. Please do. Please do. Shout out for, for sure. You know, insofar as we have a company ethos here at In The Money Media, I'd say mainly it's it's two-pronged. And and one of those prongs is embrace uh, embrace the new. You know, it's always great to find new voices and, and, and maybe people you haven't heard from on these airwaves. But there's also a real respect the elders thing going on. So anytime you can give props to, to somebody like that, I want to make sure that we do it. But that was just a tangent, folks. We are here to talk about this pick six on Saturday. It kicks off in race number six. 
perfect timing. Saratoga will, I believe, have just wrapped 7.34 Eastern, the, the, the kickoff of this thing. And we started off with three and up cow bred fillies and mares made in special weights going a flat five furlongs on the turf. Scott, let's bring you in to let us know how you're envisioning kicking off this pick six. Yeah, I think I'm going to use a few in here, not though too deep. Uh, led by my top pick, number six, 3.0, a daughter of Square Eddie, that uh, well-bred Philly, full two, uh, four, six-figure earners. Hasn't been over the turf yet, so that's a bit of a question mark. But Edward Freeman, kind of an under-the-radar type conditioner, but always has done solid work at Del Mar Evidence by his 251 return on investment over his last 194 starts. And this... Philly might look like on paper she's coming out of equal races, but that maiden special weight uh, cowbred event May 28th at Santa Anita I thought was much better than the field she faces. Fun to Dream came back to dominate stake, a stakes race at Del Mar last week. The runner-up in that race, who was handily beaten, came back to beat a field by nearly seven lengths uh, in her next start. So I think 3.0, who I think will have no issues taking to the uh, to the surface switch and will appreciate the slight cutback, uh, should perform well here with a uh, pretty favorable draw, drawing the six hole not too far outside with the uh, rails at 18 feet. I, I like the sound of it. Did you have any backups you wanted to use, or were you going to be super skinny here to kick things off? I'm going to also use the the three-horse Grays and Touch, who I thought uh, needed the race last time, second start off uh, a, about a year layoff for Paul Aguirre. And I'm going to use number four, Shish Kebab, another second-time starter. This one Questionable long layoff after a pretty good third-place effort on debut last October for Ryan Hansen. Freshened up quite a bit since then. Gets blinkers, gets Lasix. I'm going to include at 15-1. to 1. Lots of square eddy action for you, Scott, in this one. Is is that just a coincidence, or is he a sire you look to particularly in this condition? Just a coincidence in many ways, but if you're not using square eddies in these cowbred races when you're spreading a little bit, uh, you're probably doing it wrong. Just been such a productive <laughs> runner over the years but in this case just a coincidence all right frank let's bring you in how you want to light this candle i I feel like scott hacked my computer and read all my notes for this race because we are (laughs) on all the same horses and for very much the same reasons um my top pick is also number six 3.0 i expect this horse to trip out well she has speed but she also knows how to pass horses i agree with scott about that last maiden race that that as far as a cowbred maiden special weight goes, that's probably one of the better ones you'll see in a long time. And I thought she ran really well, all things considered, uh, you know, being up on a, on a, on a quick pace. Scott mentioned Freeman's stats, first turf and turf sprints. Terrific. We'll talk about square Eddie. I love when square Eddie's get on turf for the first time. So I don't think this horse will have any problems. I actually was talking to Ed Freeman yesterday, uh, I love Ed. I think he's a terrific trainer. He's also a very honest trainer. If you if you ask him to give an assessment of his horses, he will tell you exactly what he thinks. So I was talking about coming on the show and the mandatory pick six, and I said, you know, kicks off with your horse. Uh, you know, what do you think? And he goes, well, she'll, she's doing really well, and we, you know, certainly think that she'll take to the turf. So take that for what for whatever you think it's worth, but I really like her today. Um, I also was going to use the two other horses that Scott mentioned as B's, uh, but I'm also going to throw in another A. So I'll have 3.0 as an A and I'll have number 10 Air Kita as an A. 
I hate the post, but I just don't think at this point you can leave Risperly or D'Amato off of your tickets in any kind of turf race. Um, again, I don't like the post, but of all the jocks in the colony to work out a trip and a turf sprint from the 10 hole, I will trust Risperly to do it. I also thought she ran okay in that debut race. She had a, she had a really, really rough trip. Uh, so I'm willing to forgive the fact that she finished seventh, but she was only beaten two and three quarters length. I expect her to bounce back today. If, um, she'll run well if she gets beat. I think it'll be because of the post. But those would be my two A's. And then the other two horses that Scotty mentioned, I will have as, as, uh, as B's because I think they're, they're competitors as well. Let's move on to race number seven, leg B, in this mandatory payout day. Pick six at Del Mar. We've got a field of $16,000 claimers going one mile on the dirt and a, a full field sign on, 10 in the body with one AE. Frank, let's keep it with you for your thoughts on this one. Yeah, I, I thought this was a very difficult race. I'm not super crazy about anyone in here. I mean, I just this kind of stuff just drives me crazy. Like, Diodoro, hey, guys, let's claim a horse for 40. And then go to Del Mar and run for 16. <laughs> you know, it's like just that kind of stuff just drives me nuts. But with the ship and win bonus, uh, and you know, you make a nice little gamble, you could actually win a win a little bit of money. But that's not really a move you want to see. You don't want to see a horse claim for 40 and running for 16. That's your eight to five morning line favorite. At this point, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do. Diodoro was super cold up until yesterday. He finally won a race yesterday again with like a huge dropper. Um, I will say one thing, the main track, in my opinion, has skewed very heavily towards the outside, more in sprint races than in route races, but I want to look for a horse who's going to get a three wide tracking trip on the best part of the track. And I'm going to go with somebody sneaking here for my top pick. And that's number 11, Warren's Candyman, 12 to one. The horse is just a grinder, but I actually like that in this spot because He's getting a seven-pound weight break against a bunch of horses who just don't like to win. I think last time in a sprint was basically just a leg stretcher for this spot. His only win came going a mile, so we'll stretch out just fine. And he has races on his form against better that I think would make him very tough in here. Um, but more, you know, like I said, most importantly, I just think he's going to get the right trip. And at 12 to 1 on the morning line, this is a horse I absolutely want on my ticket. And he will be an A for me. Needs to draw in, but it's an interesting case you make. No, the what was ultimately in. The your in. approach to? Oh, the oh the eleven is in. Yeah, oh, the was there? I'm, I apologize. Because yeah, the, the number one, the one came out. Scratched. Gotcha. I hadn't seen that yet. So the one's out. So the Warren's Candyman definitely going to go twelve to one on the morning line. Frank makes a compelling case. Ultimately, where will you land with Carnivore, and what will you do in terms of uh, any other backups you might have? Uh, well, the other backups would be number three, uh, Primer Dimmer. Um, I'd like him a lot more if he were drawn outside, but I'm thinking the six and the eight are both going to go and maybe Jessica can kind of just suck this horse back, keep him off the rail. Uh, I know that's asking a lot, but you know, Jessica rode this horse to a win last year, going a mile at 50 to one, kept the horse outside. And, uh, you know, I think Ray Bell is a very good old school horseman, uh, had a horse of his the other day run second at 10 to one, uh, Made a nice little score on that horse. And then I think I think it's super wide open. I think number five, Prince Magician has a shot. I think number six, Economical has a shot. Seven, Egomania has a shot. And number nine, Oculus has a shot. So I am going to make the three and the 11 my A's. 
And then I'm going to go spready with my bees using those other horses uh, to be determined whether I not use the Diodoro horse. Uh, I'm tempted to kind of beat him just because, you know, I just, I don't like, I don't like to see that move. Uh, but at the same time, um, I don't necessarily have to be a hero in a race where I do think you need to spread. Scott, let's bring you in for your thoughts on this one. And we'll start with Carnivore, one that I know my dinosaur-loving daughter would uh, insist that I wager on as a, as a hunch play, loving uh, T-Rexes and various raptors the way that she does. But are you with Carnivore or against, Scott? It's a hard horse for me to be outright against because, like Frank, I think it's wide open. But I got to see this horse in person at Churchill, and I thought he ran two very good races. That maiden 22 back on May 15th. Most maiden 20s at Churchill are not going to be races I'm complimentary about of the overall body of the field. But in that case, it was a pretty good effort. The runner-up Ismian came back to win by a furlong in his next start. Prince of Glory came back to run well also. And then he ran well on the class hike, cutting back to the one-turn mile. But the discouraging part and the red flag, Frank spoke of it to an extent, but what you know, I'm going to add to it is this horse was entered on July 22nd in a starter allowance event for 50, which made a lot of sense. He was a good, good looking, you know, he was in good form, the best form of his career. Deodoro ships him out West, wants to protect him, which would be a good sign. Scratched yep. out of that race, not entered back since now in for 16. So it kind of adds to the story. Now, Frank mentioned the dollars, you know, incorporated with a ship and win and the purse and Deodoro, you know, as much as anybody, I follow Oaklawn in the winter quite intently and he, he'll drop off the claim right away, but not really in this manner where you see him wanting to protect scratching and then dropping in to the bottom or near the bottom. So I'm pretty lukewarm on carnivore just because I'm not crazy about the body of the field, but I did pick egomania in the end. First time gelding, turf to dirt, dropping in class. For uh, Raphael De Leon, who had a, had a nice-looking winner earlier on in the meet, Frank mentioned being on the outside, maybe being a little off the pace, has been favorable over the first few weeks, and I think that's the kind of trip that Egomania will get. I'm going to also use uh, Economical, 6-1 uh, to one on the morning line, cutting uh, or dropping in class out of a starter event when he battled early and tired late at a big price. Has every chance uh, to be loose on the lead, depending on on what Ramon Vasquez does on Carnivore. But but mainly I'm with Frank. If you could spread in this race, I would recommend doing so. Trusting Carnivore uh, as a singleton is just not for me. As far as the picks that I'm going to send around, Scott, to our In The Money Plus subscribers, I'm tempted to write you 7-6 on the A-line, 8 on the B-line with a note that you could spread further, or do you want to name check any other specific numbers? No, that sounds good. I mean, I would probably just put 6, 7, 8 as A's. I don't like using favorites as defensive B's all that much. I can understand if you're using, um, you know, high price singles and other spots why you wouldn't want to get beat by the horse. I think he's better than these horses if he's right is the problem. He beat horses gotcha. that were pretty good. So I would just put them all on the same line, but I did land on the 7 as the top pick. Not sure if you guys can hear. I, I'm imagining you can. It is raining like cats and dogs out there. And never more this summer have I wanted to be out there at, uh, at, at Del Mar what, what to be up in this press box to put tickets together. What, what is that word? Raining? What, what is that? Remember when it rained at Del Mar? That word. I've seen off the turf races at Del Mar like once or twice. <laughs> The first year I was out there, I remember it poured and everybody, you know, to me, I was like, ah, oh, you know, it's raining. And I just remember everyone just not even know what to, knowing what to do with them. It was like, <laughs> we all were driving out there. We thought we were in a, in a, in a, in a dream. It was so surreal. 
<laughs> Let's move on, gentlemen, to race number eight, the starter allowance. Three and up Phillies and Mares going one mile on the turf. Got a big full field here. Scott, we'll throw it back in your court. Who's your idea of the winner? What numbers will be on your tickets? This race looks like the a content it's gonna have a contentious early pace. You've got Couple need the lead types or want to be prominent types in Dicey Delight. You've got uh, as well as Run for My Honey. Precious Insight likes to be involved early. You've got Spring Spinning stretching out the two turns drawn along the inside. So I'm going to look to some horses that hopefully don't get caught wide, which will be detrimental with the rails out at 18 feet and can avoid uh, getting caught up in that battle. Top pick, pretty big price on number three, Ice Queen. Trying to be a little bit creative here. This daughter of Cairo Prince gets back to the turf after trying the Los Alamitos main track on the 4th of July. The two efforts before that, when claimed after being claimed by Reed Saldana and running over the Santanita turf, were not great. They were against a little bit of better competition, and I didn't love the lack of aggressiveness from jockey Mario Gutierrez. Now, he's on board again here, so we might get a similar type ride and she certainly wasn't good enough no matter what kind of ride you would have gotten but he got her in a little bit of trouble with the lack of aggression and with a little bit of a more contentious pace less bunch field i think ice queen should get the right trip here and and the price is right but i'm definitely going to use some others in here i'm going to use uh number seven rock the bourbon another one that exits the same fourth of july race on the dirt against starter allowance foes at los alamitos but in the one start against maiden claimers on the turf she got the job done by with a head victory under Joe Bravo. And George Papa Padromo, the trainer, is uh, on a nice little run, of course, winning the grade one Bing Crosby with American Theorem, but uh, having a nice run of sorts. A lot of those with the Richard Baltus former horses and some of them with his own animals. So I'm going to use that one as well as the other Baltus, who will be a little bit of a shorter price in number 10, Frazzle. Those are my three A's in the eighth. Three, seven, and 10. For Scott, Frank, will you will bring you back in? Is this another case of you guys reading each other's uh, mail, or or you have some other numbers? Yeah, to we're, we're actually it? similar again, and I, I like that because um, you know great minds think alike. But uh, I thought this was another tough race as well. And you know, Pete, when you did the little intro to the race, you mentioned another big full field. That's been the theme of the meet at Del Mar. I cannot remember field sizes being this good in a long time. The racing has been phenomenal out here. The fields have been full. They've been competitive. And the payouts have been terrific. So just a little plug, hats off to the racing office at Del Mar. This has been the best meet so far in recent memory that, you know, that I can recall. And I'm sure Scott will attest to that with the no field doubt. sizes. Without yeah. question. Yeah, yeah, without question. So, um, again, very, very tough race. I didn't really have a super strong opinion. So. Um, you know, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look to the hot hands. You know, Rispoli as a jock, and and Scott mentioned Papa Pedromo as a trainer. Georgie's just been uh, phenomenal since he he took over the Baltus horses and has done some stuff with his own string, as Scott mentioned. Um, my A's are gonna be the four, the ten, and the seven. Uh, the four days delight isn't exciting at three to one, but I think she figures uh, to run a peak effort second off the bench, prepped in a turf sprint. I know she's had her chances at this level, but she will be forwardly placed. And, you know, no no one really, really has impressed me so far. And she's got the best turf jock in the colony. So I think she's a must-use. And then the other two, uh, the two Papa Padromos, number 10, Frazzled, 
Uh, she's another one who's had a few chances, but she's coming off an October layoff for a barn who, as mentioned, has taken over the Baltus horses and they're all ready to run and they're all firing on all cylinders. Not crazy about the post, but you know, Joe Bravo, it's a bit of a resurgence this meet. I think he's riding really well. And, you know, out of all the jockeys in the colonies, I can at least expect Bravo to understand the concept of saving ground in a turf race. So I can see him using this girl's tactical speed, getting her over, and at least doing his best to try and try and get position and save ground. And then my other A is Rock the Bourbon. Uh, she's a three-year-old, which I'm not super crazy about, but I do like the way she broke her maiden two back. And, uh, you know, as Scott mentioned, the last time on the dirt at Los Al was probably just a conditioning race. She's a turf horse. She now makes a third start of her form cycle. And as a three-year-old, three she definitely has uh, still has some upside. And I like the fact that uh, Georgia is is bothering to protect her again when he could, you know, could have maybe dropped her in for a tag. So those are my three A's. And then just looking quickly at the form for backups, I have Mark's next to, next to Scott's three, Ice Queen, and number six, Street Shadow. Uh, but again, this is a super tough race. You mentioned the the uh, the great minds think alike. Of course, every cliche has a has an equal and opposite. In this case, fools seldom differ. Let's hope in this case it's it's more of the former and less of the latter. What do you think, Frank? Now I've 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 sat in handicap with Scott before. I'm very happy to be on some of the same horses as him. So next up, we have win and you're in action um, for, uh, for for the Breeders' Cup in the Clement. Hirsch, we've got a grade one race going a mile and a 16th on the dirt. Frank, we'll keep it with you. Well, I mean, you have to look hard at the defending champ here. Number five, she dares the devil. Um, I thought she was spectacular in this race last year. I see no reason why she won't run another big one here, uh, especially since she'll be on the best part of the track, just stalking outside the Baffert Horse private mission. You know, I mean, she looks like a pretty good single to me, but if you have the money and you want to go too deep, I would try and take on the Baffert and I would use number seven blue stripe. I think she'll get a great tracking trip sitting right on the outside. Uh, Hector Berrios has really impressed me this meet. I think he's a, a really good jock starting to pick up some business. If he got a grade one win here, that would just be a huge feather in his cap. Uh, she might be better going a little bit longer, but you know, if the top two, set a really quick pace, you know, with the five pressing the four, uh, you know, maybe this, this girl can, can run on late and, and, you know, pull off a, a little bit of an upset, but, you know, for anyone who wants a single, she dares the devil, I would not argue with that strategy. Scott, what will your approach be? Will you be all about she dares the devil in here or do you need more? She's a lone A for me. I was worried that she might have been going a long way as a five-year-old, lost twice in a row as the favorite to start the uh, campaign, but really rebounded nicely in the Fleur de Lee. She does love it at Churchill, uh, and that's not a surprise that she got back to winning ways there and decided to, Florent Giroux, the regular jock, decided to sit off the pace instead of making the lead. Not really necessarily his choice was super quick drawn to his inside, a very quick runner for Norm Cassie. But she appears poised to win this race in back-to-back years. Frank mentioned the advantageous post, which should allow another really good trip over the right part of the racetrack. So she's going to be my lone A. Two Bs, though. I do think Desert Dawn, who does take on older for the first time, is sitting on a big race. Absolutely tossed the Summertime Oaks when she lost at 3-5. to five. 
absolute terrible stumble at the start. So basically a meaningless race. And obviously the Santa Anita Oaks and the Kentucky Oaks against their fellow three-year-olds were both very impressive efforts. So Desert Dawn, a little bit interesting to me. And Sooth say, you know, if she's five to one, that's a little low for me. But the fact that she hasn't been seen in 13 months off of a, a very impressive effort with a troubled trip in the Indiana Oaks, but a slow one compared to her peers in here. Now she enters the grade one off that layoff for Richard Mandela. She must be training extremely well for him to enter in this spot. I'm not sure exactly what the other options were for him, but to enter in a grade one off that kind of layoff tells me that Suse is doing very well. So on a small budget, I'd single sheet airs the devil on an AB bigger, you know, open it up type tickets. I would use the one and three as B's. Stakes action continues apace with race number 10. We've got a listed stake for Calbreds, the California Dreamin'. How appropriate stakes going a mile and a 16th on the turf. Scott, we talked, Frank mentioned it before, you seconded that emotion. Another big full field signed up here as part of this uh, Calbred stakes program. Who do you think is going to get it done? Yeah, to echo Frank's sentiments, David Jerkins and crew have done a phenomenal job. A lot of times after the first week or two when there are the big fields, which were even bigger this year, it tends to kind of slow down a little bit based on the course population and then pick back up over the last week or two. But that just hasn't been the case. So hats off to, uh, to David and his team. And uh, while Frank is out there, I know both you and I, Pete, are California dreaming because of the weather, if nothing else. And uh, hopefully we'll be alive going into the fifth leg here, a mile and a 16th over the turf. And I thought there were four horses in here to, to lean on, potentially. The favorite, uh, the chosen Vron, going to be a defensive use for me. It's kind of a weird spot. This horse was so good early on in his career for Eric Kruljak. Never really moved forward as a... Uh, as a three-year-old or at least in the latter part of his three-year-old campaign, maybe this is a prep, you know, for a horse that uh, maybe will get back to running on the main track, maybe cut back to one turn, but it's tough to leave him off based on the class. And as Frank has spoken to Umberto Rispoli, clearly the best rider on this turf course thus far this summer. So I'm going to use him defensively. Hockey dad is another defensive use. I would say for me, my fourth horse, but the two horses I like from a gambling perspective, one, a little bit of a logical horse, and number eight, none above the law, who gets back to the turf, has not raced since uh, New Year's Eve of our, sorry, sorry, Chris, post-Christmas, December 26th, opening day, Santa Anita, in the uh, Mathis Brothers Mile, washed off the turf. But uh, the effort last year in the Del Mar Derby is what caught my eye, came from off the pace in a trip that I can envision this uh, four-year-old gelding getting here over this surface. That was at a mile and an eighth. This is at a mile and a sixteenth. But I do think Florentiru should have him in the right price and makes a lot of sense. And then I think there's at least a little bit of a chance there's a contentious early pace. And number four, Tom Surprise makes his first start off the claim for Andy Mathis, who's had a good start to the meet. And he dipped in for 62-5 with the owners to claim this one at Pleasanton last time out. Clearly, it seems like with the uh, goal of running in this race, getting back in against Calbreds. And if you watch his race two back over the Golden Gate turf against similar that he faced in that race he was claimed out of, he had a tremendous turn of foot, went from last to first in a matter of moments. And if he can get the uh, right setup in here, he certainly likes to win races. Eight for 15 over the all-weather, two for six over the turf, 10 for 25 in his career. So I'm hoping Tom Surprise can sit last and make a big move at a pretty good price. Four good ideas from Scott. You mentioned David uh, Jerkins and the job he's doing. Just want to shine a light for those who haven't seen it yet. 
the owner's box that he did with Billy and Michelle just as the Del Mar meet was starting. Must listen stuff, whether you're already involved in the game or just a horse player looking to understand how uh, condition books get made, how horses show up in different spots, and, and some of the some of the how the sausage is made, really, in terms of how the racing office works. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to check it out, but you, you know, at your level, you'd get something out of it, and even somebody who's just a horse player trying to understand the game on a deeper level is going to learn a lot from that. So definitely check out that edition of the Owner's Box with that with that gratuitous plug made, we will throw the ball over to you, Frank, to get your thoughts on this year's California Dream. Yeah, I, I did this race for the Del Mar website. So uh, folks out there listening can go to dmtc.com and click on my handicapping page and see how I analyzed the race and letter graded all of the horses. Uh, but I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my two A's. Uh, number two, Carmelita's Man and... Uh, number eight, none above the law. Scott mentioned the pace. Um, I think number seven, Jimmy Blue Jeans, and and number nine, Hockey Dad, will keep things very honest. So I'm looking for I'm looking for an honestly run race here. Number two, Carmelita's Man, super consistent, keeps you know the the top jock in the colony in Juan Hernandez. Although I do think Rispoli is is a much better turf rider, uh, but you you know you don't lose too much with with Juan against. The, the other jockeys in this colony. Uh, very consistent horse, just beat a few of these. Uh, I think he'll trip out, just track off the pace, bide his time, save ground, and then and then look to make look to make one, you know, the winning move. And then number eight, none above the law. Really, really good three-year-old form to build on. This is such a cool horse. This horse is one on dirt, on synth, on turf, sprinting, routing, just super versatile. Coming off a long layoff, but you know Miller can have him ready to run, and I, I think that horse that horse will be be very tough if if he's a hundred percent. So those are my two A's, uh, number two and number eight. I'm against the chosen Vron today. I I I do think the chosen Vron is the most talented horse in the race. Uh, Scott mentioned it was a little bit of a weird spot, and I kind of agree. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go to go to war thinking that this is. This is just a prep race for for something else, um, you know. Rispoli will will do a good job giving this horse the best trip, but you know the post isn't isn't so great either. So I'm going to take the chosen Ron on. Uh, I will use, however, I will use the two speed horses I mentioned as my bees, Jimmy Blue Jeans and and Number Nine Hockey Dad. Uh, if if they're able to set you know a slow pace, they can easily hold on. They're both talented horses in their own right. Uh, I do think that. The turf course, while while it's been very fair, it's been a lot more speed friendly this early in the meet than in years past. So um, don't be afraid to use some speed horses on the turf. The rails are out at 18 feet. I could just see the seven and the nine, you know, running one, two. And then, you know, I'm really looking one, two, most of the way around the track. And then I'm looking for number two, Carmelita's man and number eight, none above the law to come come pick them off. I will talk about uh, Scott's horse for a second because, you know, those Golden Gate chippers, you have uh, the one that Scott mentioned, and then you also have Freeport Joe. You know, don't discount those Golden Gate horses. I, I looked at Golden Gate a lot this year because I was doing the Golden Hour pick four for, um, for Santa Anita. And both those horses are very, very honest. They will give you their best effort. And as Scott mentioned, you know, if there's a quick pace, both of these horses can come running on late 
with strong with strong late runs. Uh, I think the training colony up there is super strong. I know Andy Mathis is a terrific trainer. Scott mentioned claiming this horse probably for this spot. So you know the horse is well mentioned. And then um, I also think the jockey colony up there is pretty solid. So if you see any Golden Gate trainers or any Golden Gate jockeys down here trying to compete at Del Mar, don't be as dismissive as in years past. A lot of times in the past, the Golden Gate horses were auto tosses. Not true anymore, especially on turf. One quick tangent before we go to our last race. You'll have heard the ad at the beginning of the show for this LRF Cares contest that's going to be happening on Saturday. That makes me think back to last weekend's contest when one of the names at the top of the leaderboard was our our very own Frank Scatoni. How did things work out for you last week? Will you be playing again this week? I will definitely be playing again this week because it's for a good cause. The LRF Cares charity is uh, all about aftercare for thoroughbreds. And I feel as horse players, we need to support things like that. I will also be supporting on Sunday night, Jockey Karaoke at the Belly Up for the Permanently Disabled Jockey Fund. So that's another great cause. So if you're here in Del Mar, you should really look about coming out to the Belly Up on Sunday night for a, a fundraiser for, for permanently disabled jockeys. Um, you know, these guys, we, we, as, as analysts, we have to be very critical of the rides the jockeys give, but at the same time, I have nothing but respect for what, what these guys and gals do. They, they, they put their lives on the line every time they get on the back of a horse. So I have tremendous respect, respect for them. And um, I'm happy to support, you know, any cause that, that they're doing as well. Um, as for the tournament last week, you know, we lucked out and ended up sneaking in for an NHC seat, but, you know, that wasn't the plan. We were in sixth place going into the last couple of races, had a bankroll of 8500 bucks, and, you know, we're looking to get that up to twenty or 30000 with a real shot to win. Uh, got a little unlucky in race 10. I loved a 10-to-1 shot. Uh, ran his eyeballs out, but just couldn't get by the winner who had a seven-pound weight break. We ended up running second. Uh, didn't have the exacta to the to the three horse there because I was, um, you know, skewing more towards the outside and you know I just got burned by the the apprentice weight break. But uh, the handicapping was good, unlucky there. And then in the last race, you know, bet about two grand to try and take a swing to get us to the number we needed, and that didn't work out. And I was pleasantly surprised that our ending bankroll of like fifty five hundred ended up netting us tenth place and getting an NHC seat. So. You know, you nice. always want to play to win, but, um, you know, sometimes you can get a little lucky and get some prize money, even though that wasn't your plan. <laughs> Does that mean you'll be in Las Vegas come this March? You know, it's it's a different date than it used to be. Uh, what what are, what are the chances we'll, well see? I, ha- I have no choice but to be there. So, yes, that is an affirmative. <laughs> I will be there. Famously so, actually. Famously so. <laughs> the, the, uh, we'll leave that there. But the it's it's funny because it's the week before Cheltenham this year which is like, I, I, you know, I'm really supposed to take that opportunity to have to go and work for my friends at Sky and, and do London things. But God, Frank, with you there as well as, you know, Tamaro and the rest of them, I, I may just have to do a direct flight from Vegas over to, uh, over, over to England and, and, and come out and come out and work with Steve Bick if he'll have me and, and, and do it. That's, that's great, great news. Now, usually at this point of the show, I ask what I call the key question. Everybody knows what it is who listens to these shows. But the the key question now, Frank, we're going to harken back to what you were saying about Sunday night 
and jockey karaoke. What karaoke tune will you be singing up there? Uh, well, I haven't been able to make weight in about 15 years. So uh, <laughs> I hung up my jockey tack a long time. I will not be singing. I will just be there supporting and uh, probably laughing my butt off because I've, I've, I've seen these guys do it before and it is just so much fun. They, um, they actually take it pretty seriously and they put on, they put on a good show. So I'm excited. I'm excited just to hang out after a, a weekend of the races and, you know, have a drink, hang out with some friends and, and just have a good time. But I will not be. So you're not going to let me hold your feet to the fire. You can say anything. It could be an Iron Maiden tune. It could be anything. <laughs> what, what, if, if you were forced to get up there and sing, what would it be? If I'm I not were, taking no for an answer. If I were forced to get up there and sing, that's a great question. What would I sing? Um, you know, maybe I would, I would keep the horse racing theme going and I would sing Chips Ahoy by The Hold Steady. I know Ed DeRose would love that choice. So. Oh, man. Very hip. Shout yeah, very, very hip. Their horse, keep Buddy, horse how about you? What's your karaoke? What's your karaoke go-to? Well, you know, I remember when I was 19, snuck into a bar in Madison, Wisconsin, and they had karaoke, and it was the first time I ever did it at a bar. I did it with a friend, and it's always been my karaoke song since, and it's uh, The Barge, Rhythm of the Night. <laughs> <laughs> I always not you only dance it, moves? not only was it tremendously fun, but it always gets the best responses when I use it as my answer. So oh, that's yeah. good. That yeah. should be your walk up music as well. If any, you know, when you come out to the ring for for WrestleMania or, or walk up to home plate, yeah, I think yeah. the rhythm of the night is good for you. Yeah, I like that. Dance. I like it. I like it. Mm. All right, we've been ridiculous. Let's get back to something a little <laughs> bit serious here to round things out. Who is going to win race number 11? We've got this three and up Calbred maiden claimer at the $50,000 level, five and a half furlongs. Stop me if you've heard this one, another big full field. And this will determine if we can take down our share of this mandatory payout, pick six or not. Scott, I'll ask you the real key question. How are we going to get paid? We are going to get paid with a couple of class droppers here is my case, uh, Pete. I'm going to, uh, I went with a price on top at number 10 college boy, one of a few of the class droppers in here. The son of Stanford didn't do all that much running on debut uh, over the Santa Anita side back in late May, but I thought it was noteworthy that Leonard Powell, uh, Lord Flavian Pratt when he was still out in Southern California, and it didn't look like Flavian gave this one much effort. I'm thinking that was a prep. Now drops in class, gets blinkers, moves over to the main track. Gets a favorable outside draw, as we've talked about in sprint races. I think College Boy, a very interesting 15-to-1 option. And then a couple more logicals. Number seven, Dutch Bus is my other A. This horse uh, has been freshened up after a couple third-place efforts against Special Weight Company at Santa Anita. Now gets a uh, upgrade in rider to Ferrancheru. Should have this one right into the race early on the class drop. Makes a lot of sense. Will take plenty of support. Those are my two A's. And then my lone B will be uh, number three, always lit, special weight company, both over the all-weather at Golden Gate and two starts, and then over the main, uh, dirt at Pleasanton. Even efforts, had a little bit of trouble in a couple of those starts. Now, Blaine Wright, 0 for 36 at Del Mar, so that's a little bit of a concern, but he's a high-percentage trainer. He's going to win one in San Diego County before long. Maybe it'll be with number three, always lit. Good stuff. Really appreciate that. This kind of excellent Level of detail, institutional knowledge you get from Scott on a lot of different tracks, but Del Mar certainly among their number. You don't just get it here, folks. There's a lot of places you you can reach out and get it. You know, I mentioned expert picks before, Scott, but let people know where else they can find your work. 
Right. Uh, thanks. Appreciate the kind words, Pete. The expert picks are I'm up for it uh, on Twin Spires, both the app and the website. Delmar, Churchill Downs, and Oaklawn Park every day, every race. Uh, also, when Churchill Downs is running live, you can find me on the simulcast feed. You can find all my work up on churchilldowns.com. But the easiest thing is just to follow me on Twitter at ScottShap34. Well, I'll share all of that work and uh, let you know what I'm up to. You know what? In the spirit of no good deed goes unpunished, Scott, and knowing we've got these uh, rescheduled Arlington Million races coming up before too long, you, you, you may be getting harassed by me again sooner rather than later. Just just uh, keep that in mind. So if you see my name, if you don't want to do it, you see my name pop up on the phone, just, just you know, hit ignore. Nah, always happy to help. I've always enjoyed doing, uh, doing them with Nick. And uh, as you mentioned, Spencer's Redboard Rewind. It was true, the story that you told, getting Spencer involved on my old website, uh, shappertocapper.com. So I'm always here to work with the In The Money team. Love that. Frank, we'll give you the last word. What numbers will be gracing your tickets in the Saturday nightcap? Well, I'm going to do a little plug as well because you guys mentioned Spencer. Spencer is actually going to be my guest this Sunday at, on my 11 a.m. live stream uh, to talk about uh, some best bets on Sunday's card. So um, I'll tweet out more information about that, but I'm really looking forward to having Spencer. Um, I love his Redboard Rewind show, and I've been on it a few times, and It'll be fun to do a little role reversal and have me as the host. Um, but, uh, and, uh, you know, if we are alive going into this last race and if we connect in this last race, I am going to quote El DeBarge here and say, we will be <laughs> dancing to the morning light. <laughs> My musical reference for that is I usually say, you know, if someone, when somebody picks a long shot on top, I'll say, if that one wins, it'll be Julio get the stretch. But I, I think that the, you know, we'll always give it to the eighties over the, over the slightly more modern stuff. Uh, who, but yeah, who this, is this, this, horse? this is another tough race that several can win. Um, you know, I, I, going to be stubborn though i'm going to live and die by the outside stalking trip and the sprint races so i'm looking at number 11 carol's comic at 12 to 1 to spring an upset uh this guy ran well at this level in his debut he was bet down to five to one off a 15 to one morning line so somebody thought he could run a little bit finished third despite a lot of trouble toss his last two races against calbred main special weights much tougher in there i think he's very sneaky I also like Scott's number 10, College Boy, at 15 to 1. Looks like he can outrun his long odds, adding blinkers, dropping in class. Just ran around the track in a turf sprint in the debut. Scott mentioned that Pratt took the call. I agree with that. The fact that Pat Pratt bothered to ride this horse in the debut suggests to me that, you know, maybe the barn thought he had a little bit of ability. Uh, maybe was doing something good in the mornings. Uh, if he does have any ability, I think he figures to show it today. I could see the 10 and the 11 getting very good tracking trips in here at huge prices. Uh, two other horses to mention, you know, those are, those are both three-year-olds. I'm actually going to look at a couple of four-year-olds also. Uh, you know, number seven, Dutch Bus at seven to two isn't exciting at all, but this horse actually crossed the wire first at this level three back, but was disqualified. He's going to get a great forwardly placed stalking trip uh, from a very good post. Uh, I think he'll be tough again. And then the other horse I'm going to look at is number six, Hustling Hank at 10 to 1. It's a four-year-old first-time starter, a couple of decent works on his tab. You know, one of the things that I actually, one of the angles that I really like, I don't mind um, late debuting four-year-olds or even sometimes five-year-olds 
when they debut in a claiming race, because that just means to me that the connections have been super patient and now they're going to have their horse fully cranked to win it first asking. I can't tell you how many five-year-old debut winners I've had in claiming races. Um, uh, Four-year-old, you know, summertime, this horse will be mature. Sarin's running the horse here. Uh, so the horse is going to be ready. Um, I think the connections have been patient. I think this horse will outrun the odds at 10 to one. And then, you know, there are a couple of others on the inside. Number two, Rusty B. Cause, a firster from Mulhall could win. Number three, Always Lit, runs for a tag for the first time. Gets Hernandez, that horse could win. But uh, they're drawn inside, so I'm going to stick with the outside runners. My A's are going to be Carol's Comic and College Boy, the 11 and the 10. And then I'll use the 6 and the 7 as B's. And then if you really want to spread, you know, you can throw in anybody else because this is another really competitive race in an excellent sequence. I'll name check the two and the three on the C line for you since you bothered to to call them out or, or would you rather I not do that? No, you could do that. That's that's fine. Excellent. Excellent. Just sort of implies the wide openness of the race. Yeah. Make sure tag us, um, tag us to help promote your seminar, Frank, this week and every week. There's been a ton of great stuff on there and really, really appreciate the time that both of you put into the sequence. Mm-hmm. I mean, Really, really great stuff as the thunder continues outside the window here in Saratoga. We'll thank you uh, one more time, Scott. You one more time, Frank. We'll remind folks again about the LRF Cares contest. We actually set up a little pretty link in themoneypodcast.com slash LRF. Go over there to get more information about that. That is all the time we have. We'll thank our sponsors at Del Mar, of course, one more time officially before we get out of here. This show has been a production of In the Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Ginchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos.